0: All right, we're in our study on the imprecatory psalms found in the book of psalms, and we are moving along. We're in Psalm 57 tonight. We're in Psalm 56 last week. And again, the imprecatory psalms are psalms that often are psalms of what we call psalms of deliverance against an enemy, and most attributed to David. And David obviously had lots of enemies and times in his life where things became very difficult, Uh, and psalm 57 is one of those uh, writings where he just pours his heart out and again uh, we're going to pick it up we'll read down through all the verses in this one and then go back and uh, look at our message tonight our our study says uh, as a title a prayer for safety from enemies and then it's to the chief musician set to do not destroy a victim of david when he fled from saul into the cave Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens, and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth, Lord again, we are grateful for your word and for this psalm, and we ask, Lord, as we open it up tonight, you would just bless it to our hearts and minds, and may we be obedient to you. May you be glorified and exalted among us in Jesus name. Amen <clears throat> David uh, this psalm is as it said in the beginning, attributed to the time when he fled Saul into the cave and Uh, if you follow the life of David and look in the scriptures you'll find that after Gath that time in Gath which we talked about last week a little bit uh, which is referred to in Psalm 56 uh, David fled and he again went to a place uh, where he was in a cave he was hiding from Saul uh, the king who was not wanting to step down and because David had never been anointed as king in Saul's stead and yet He had to flee Saul and run for his life. And he was hounded by the king's men and by Saul himself uh, as it became harder and harder for David to, to find sanctuary. And so Psalm 57 is this psalm that is sort of written about that. And he calls for deliverance against his enemies. And that's the imprecatory part. But it's interesting, most of this is really a call of praise out to God. And there are some things that we find in this psalm, three different areas about the day and what a day is like. And you find in this, uh, David has the imagery of the, the night and the evening and, or in the, uh, the, the uh, dawning of the day, those kind of things. And every single day, and I just premise this, is that it's a day, a gift from God, right? Um, every single day. And as we, you know, really make use of the time as the new testament says redeeming the time for the days are evil and meaning that not everything in our life is evil but but this world around us is like david's world it's always hounding us it's always hunting us down and is there a place to find sanctuary in the middle of that day or in the beginning of the day or the end of the day (coughs) each day and this is just an outline from warren weirsby each day is a day of prayer And David starts off with a prayer. And he says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. David begins with the imagery of the Lord. He uses a a, a sort of a metaphorical expression of the shadow of God's wings, right? An anthropomorphic expression. Really, it's not anthro, I guess, not man-dealing with an expression but it's it's more of an uh uh he's attributing the wings of god overshadowing him <clears throat> the presence of god and all that although when he cries out he says be merciful to me and it really kind of brings to mind how god presents himself in scripture and how remember the jews were to worship before the lord at the mercy seat right in the tabernacle and then also in the temple later on and for David um, he uses that same imagery as God revealed to the people of Israel when they were designing or when God told Moses this is how you are to build the temple and these are the articles in the temple and in uh, Exodus 25 there is a picture of the mercy seat as it's described there and it says you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold two and a half cubits shall be its length and a Cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, and the other cherub at the other end, and you shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings and they shall face one another the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat now uh, the picture there is of these golden imaged uh, angels the cherubim uh, who are associated with the glory of god uh, the actual beings but these are images of them someone once pointed out too that even in the commandments we're not to make graven images right um Well, it's interesting that God told them to make images of things that were in heaven or things that he had created. But it was God's instruction very specific to doing that. And we know from the New Testament, these things were a pattern or a shadow of a greater to come. And that that mercy seat itself pictured for us Christ. And we know that even the angels of heaven inquire into those who are the heirs of salvation. and, And they are... Uh, actually looking down upon that and there's a picture in that but you see the wings of the angels that were spread out or pictured there above the mercy seat with their face looking down now there are different artistic uh, renditions of what the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant would have looked like this is probably the most common one if you look and see it i mean because it's described very carefully throughout exodus And how it was to be built. And essentially it was a wooden box overlaid with gold. The box itself was made of of acacia wood or a cedar. Very long lasting. But it was wood. okay. Then it was overlaid with pure gold. The the basic type of that was seen in the person of Christ. In that he was of this earth. He was man. right, But he also was deity. And that speaks to that in the gold that is over that wood. Um, Inside that box... You had Aaron's rod that budded, and you had the pot of manna that had been collected while they were in the wilderness, and you had the commandments, the tablets of stone. Those were placed in there as a testimony to who God was. Also speaking to um, the Lord Jesus, right? Because out of him springs life out of deadness, right? Uh, in him he is the bread of life as well and he is the one who is the perfect keeper of the law only he had the law on his heart inside him we broke god's law and he's promised to give us a new heart through faith in him and then above that as pictured in the very top of that was this flat area raised slightly around the edges is what the bible described it describes its width and its its dimensions anyways it's height those kind of things and on top of that were these two images of cherubim angels and they're spreading their wings over that and it's interesting because they were always facing down looking at that mercy seat and it was there that once a year the high priest would go in and he would offer a sacrifice two sacrifices one for himself because he was a sinner and one sacrifice for the people on the high day of atonement and he would do so it was a blood sacrifice and that would be offered on the mercy seat seen as that god's mercy was granted and his wrath appeased by the blood of a substitute again a picture of jesus christ and the gospel that is found in the tabernacle in the articles of the tabernacle here david says uh, hide me under your wings, right? Hide me under those. Things. I take shelter under your wings. And he calls for the mercy of God. And obviously, he was not able to go to the tabernacle, um, nor was he able to have a priest go on his behalf. He was a hunted man, a wanted man. But instead, from a cave, in the darkness of that cave, he set up a tabernacle in the wilderness. Wonderful picture there. And surely, David receive the goodness of god in the wilderness there in that experience that is a common theme throughout the psalms and throughout a lot of the writings in the bible another verse i like is psalm seventeen eight. it says keep me as the apple of your eye hide me under the shadow of your wings and that is exactly what we need we need to come under the wings of god and be hidden there for that that same phrase is used elsewhere in the book of ruth Here you have one of the grandmothers of David, right? And David and Ruth, and in that it says, "The Lord, this is Naomi. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge." Oh, wow! I love that. Here's Ruth, the Moabitess, the Gentile, and she found grace and mercy under the wings of God, under the house of Israel. And my friends, we have found the mercy of God from the house of Israel under the shadow of God's wings. What a blessing. Jesus used that same imagery of himself when in his day, when he was here on earth, he comes into Jerusalem, remember, and he stops and he says, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her, how often I would have Wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. What a, what a sad <clears throat> testimony. For those that they had the protection of God and the blessing of God. And the wings of God available very easily for the Jew. And yet they chose not to. They were not willing. And I've often said of that verse, I've mentioned it before, you have here a picture of divine sovereignty and human responsibility in this verse. Christ, being God, wanted them saved. He wanted them saved, but they were not willing. And again, he won't force people to be saved. He wants us saved. He calls to us. The Holy Spirit illuminates the heart and the mind and draws the sinner and convicts the sinner. But ultimately, at the end, it is the sinner's choice with that will to exercise not alone god starts the process absolutely but they would not what a sad testimony and yet david found this this area of refuge under the wings of god in the book of hebrews in chapter 10 uh, you have uh, the same picture that we can boldly Go into the very presence of God because of access by Jesus Christ. Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. Now, the picture in the tabernacle in the wilderness, by the way, was one of exclusion for the most part. You had to have a high priest that would have to go in and represent the people, and he always had to come uh, with—he had to come with uh, his own, you know, sacrifice for himself, and then a sacrifice for the people. And it was a shaky deal at best, right? In that way, he had to do it every year, over and over again. And his ministry was never done; he was always standing. There was no place for him to sit because his work was never done. Whereas Jesus sat down when he was done, right at the right hand of God. But he's a new and living way. In the tabernacle, in the temple, uh, you had to, a dead sacrifice that was offered, the blood. But Jesus offered himself once for all. A new and living sacrifice. And he's allowed a way through the veil so that I don't need a priest to go in before me. I can operate as my own priest if you're, if you're a believer and you can boldly go before the throne of grace. Look what it says. It says, and having a high priest over the house of God. That high priest is Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. He's referring to the redemption process of salvation. You, you get that by not by sprinkling blood and water on you. But by the Holy Spirit as we are born again. And that is a spiritual standing when he talks about this. Then he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what that says to me? That as we go through this life, it it beats us up, doesn't it? But we have access into the very presence of God. We have a high priest, the Lord himself, who's able to give us that access directly to himself. And as the day is approaching, not only is that the day of the return of Christ, but the day when I may go depart from this earth, however that happens, you know, might go through great pain in doing so. I don't know. But whatever happens, that day is approaching. And as it is approaching, and as we see that, we exhort one another to press on. When David writes Psalm 57, he's exhorting those who would be singing that psalm to press on and give glory to God. The end of verse 1 he says until these calamities have passed by. You now, I find that sort of um you know, we talk about calamities. Calamities happen, right? That's just when bad things happen, right? Um and uh, uh, you know that we, we do that what's the ad there on TV with the insurance guy there what's the the guy that's always a uh, disaster happening to him yeah what is it yeah FAPY does that too but there's one there that's the what is it no it's not Affleck. anyways I just thought of that but the mayhem mayhem there you go the guy that's always uh, you know he's off on the side somewhere and he's always all cut up and beat up and all that and he causes an accident right or something happened mayhem and life is sort of filled with those kind of events all the time you're you're always getting crunched up by calamity and uh, david uses a word there in the hebrew which means to be enveloped or engulfed in it Uh, the same word is used in the book of job when job describes his own trial as a calamity he says oh that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid with it on the scales for job we know what he went through right not only did he lose his family and his marriage relationship and his health and all his wealth and everything but then you know he has miserable comforters that come and give him bad advice some some of it anyways Uh, for himself anyways it was bad some of the things they spoke was definitely truth but it wasn't done so in the right attitude but he says oh that it could be weighed in the balances in the scales job's trial was one as such that probably nobody on this earth has ever faced like that and yet we all face calamity don't we we do in joe in uh, psalm 57 verse 2 he says i will cry out to god most high To God who performs all things to me. And again is the picture here um, of God who is the most high. Here's David. He's in a cave in the lower part of the earth. Yet he belongs to the God who is most high. I love that. He shall send from heaven and save me. Here's the picture he sends from heaven. That's downward towards us. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and became obedient. He became a man, but he became obedient even unto death and even the death of the cross. And all that was directed from heaven. Salvation coming down. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. In the end, God will have the right vindication of everything. Every injustice that we see in this life will be metered out perfectly as justice in the next god shall send forth his mercy and his truth there he is he couples that with that statement he sends forth his mercy and his truth and then he says my soul is among lions i lie among the sons of men who are set on fire whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword that picture is a really bad calamity doesn't it He's, he's living among lions. It pictures uh, a panting animal that is coming after you. And that he's being hunted like a lion hunts its prey. And then he talks about the sons of men. Those are the ones out to get them. They are set on fire. You know, when someone is set on fire, they don't sit still. They move. And that's the picture here is that they're, they're racing off to find him and to bring that. Whose teeth are spears and arrows. They're all around him. And their tongue a sharp sword. And when sometimes we find ourselves in this life. uh, Again with that kind of picture. As society around us. Sets its teeth on us. Right? And on on his. Uh, Daniel 6. Right? Think of the, the chapter 6 of Daniel. When a law is passed. Where. They have to bow down to uh, the king. And Daniel doesn't do that. And instead, Daniel goes back to his place. And there, as in verse 6, I'll uh, we'll pick it up there in uh, Daniel 6, verse 7, says, All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, and advisors have consulted together. <laughs> there they are. Everybody, the sons of men, set on fire. And their teeth, And their mouths and everything, like arrows and spears, right? Have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. They were going to institute law. And I tell you this, that it's always better to obey God rather than man. And there are times when men's law is wrong. And we have to be careful that we obey where we can obey, but never at the compromise of what we are as believers That whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. And now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward jerusalem he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his god and as was his custom since early days i love that picture of daniel he's most likely in his early 80s when this occurs so you know he wasn't a young man anymore and from his early days he was accustomed to going up there and he didn't do so with great fanfare but he didn't do so privately Open windows, upper floor, people could see what he's doing. And you know, every time David uh, Daniel did that, and he prayed towards Jerusalem, he was giving testimony, a public witness, of the faithfulness of God. Because God told them that after 70 years, they would return to the land. And that exactly is what was going to happen, and was happening. And yet, Daniel goes up, in contrary to man's law, that according to the law, the Medes and Persians couldn't even be changed. There was no Supreme Court that could overturn something. (laughs) It was done. And so the consequence was to be thrown into the lion's den. And God allowed Daniel to suffer the consequences of man's unjust law, which violated the commandment of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? And yet... That law was met, and the punishment was metered out, and yet the consequence, normal consequence, wasn't. Right? We know how that ended, right? The lions didn't eat Daniel. Daniel had a good night of sleep in the lion's den, and the king, Darius, did not. Because afterwards he realized what he had done, and Daniel, he liked Daniel. Sometimes we do things, and we even enact laws and things like that, that, are bad laws (laughs) and you can't change them easily can you and yet god had his way the sovereign god the most high god and that's a phrase too that appears in daniel a lot the most high god and he's high we're told in peter's writing be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour our enemy is like a lion David knew that but he knew the high god. Psalm 7:17 7, he says I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. There it is again. He's God of the earth but he's also God of the heavens. And that's what it says in Genesis 14:19 to Abraham. Remember that? He and he blessed him and said blessed be Abraham of God most high possessor of heaven and earth God's a possessor of all this and he has the title deed to it and someday he's going to wrap it up a lot more could be said with that David knew that God had a purpose and a plan for his life and not only this life here but as we sang earlier surely goodness and mercy will follow me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? forever forever All the days of my life, if you're a Christian, a believer, from David's time on or wherever, all the days of your life is forever that way with the Lord. And that's a great, great reality. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Here in Psalm 138, the idea is that the Lord completes what he begins and he will perfect it in you and me and it will be what I need to be perfected maybe you won't need that same right the Lord will perfect that which concerns me that's personal God is a personal God so often in the Old Testament people kind of say you see a a God who seems to be distant no he isn't at all you're not reading your Bible because he's very personal personal throughout scripture he's personal from the very moment he walked in the garden with adam and and talked with him right uh in the cool of the day all the way through to those dusty trails out of nazareth and in heaven as well he'll perfect perfect that which concerns me verse six he says i will freely sacrifice to you this is psalm 54 6 sorry um actually i should be in verse five i had that verse in i I put the wrong verse in psalm 57 5 be exalted O god above the heavens let your glory be above the earth and verse five is essentially a, a song of praise here david speaks to the reality of where he is and 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 he talks really it's a prayer but then he breaks out into a praise and declares that god be exalted Let your glory be above all the earth. Really at the close of the day, David had a time of commitment and worship. I like that. Because here he is getting ready to go to sleep. And yet it is there that he is, he is praising God and exalting the Lord. Good illustration for all of us. Well, each day is a day of prayer, but each day is a day of praise. And verses 6 to 11 are, are praises that's why i say when you come to these uh, psalms sometimes like i you mean, look up the references to imprecatory psalms psalm 57 is one of those and it's not a major psalm that way in, in that nature of it but yet through it is a praise song is really what it is for god's deliverance against the enemies of david each day is a day of praise Verse 6, he says, They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. And David has, just speaking exactly what it is, when, when they create traps to ensnare believers, in this case David, it is the very trap that is going to ensnare them. You know, man will be judged according to his own words. <laughs> the Bible speaks to that. And I think of all the foolish talk that goes on today against God, against righteousness, against God's people. And someday people will be judged according to their own words. The very traps that they want today are going to be their own trap. And then you have this conflict that David sees, you know, he's he's pressed into the mold of, of being hounded and probably the fears that would go with that and the doubts and all the things that go when we're being pressed right upon by the world itself and yet he resolves in his heart to be steadfast it says that my heart is steadfast oh god my heart is steadfast i will sing and give praise and i love what he says there really his emphasis here is a steadfast heart that is fixed on the lord's promises and it's not wavering between doubt and faith he's he said i'm gonna stick with faith Uh, let's be real the world is always you know with its calamities and everything else pulling us away from faith right and it wants us to be molded and shaped into its own image and all kinds of things and we have to go back and say my heart is steadfast It's firm. The word that he uses for steadfastness is something that is fixed and unchanging. It's actually translated elsewhere um, in Scripture. I think I put the reference. For instance, well, uh, in Psalm 51.10, it's used there. David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Uh, By the way, that's a psalm of repentance. And sin will cause you to lose steadfastness in faith and david says renew a steadfast spirit within me in the king james this is new king james it says in the king james a right spirit within me right and and that is true we want to be right with god and if you allow sin into your life it will create doubts and fears and a a, a shaky heart Psalm 108, verse 1, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Psalm 112, verse 7, I, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And there are several other verses there. Interestingly enough, this same word, steadfast, is translated in verse, uh, Psalm 8 as Ordained. And in this case, it is the the moon and the stars. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, and what is he referring to there the courses of the stars above and the and the course of the the moon, and you, you realize that you can predict for to the very second when the moon will rise at a given location. why because it 's set in motion and ordered. And everything around us is set that way. And God is the one who ordered it. He ordained it. David says, I want a heart like that. I need a heart like that. Psalm 74, 16, the day is yours, the night also is yours. You have prepared, there it is again, same word, the light and the sun, right? Right? He ordains those things. Light travels at a constant speed, right? And when you think about that, light traveling at a constant speed, we can measure distance and time with light. And to know that. Your your phone has a GPS chip in it, right? And that gives a... Basically, you have this network, a constellation of satellites that sits in a geosynchronous orbit around the Earth... And they are they 're essentially fixed in reference to the earth they they orbit at the same speed as the earth 's rotation, and because they 're far enough out, they never fall in right i mean they're 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 actually orbiting the Earth at that rate and the speed of light, which is radio waves okay, is at the speed of light. every one of those little satellites has an atomic clock on it, very accurate clock and it 's sending out a time date stamp boom, 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 constantly like that. And your phone, a little GPS chip, picks up the different signals from those satellites, and it knows this satellite over here is a fraction of a second different than this satellite over here and that one. And it triangulates those things, and it tells you right where you are on the earth. How come? God ordained that. He ordained the speed of light. He ordained the heavenly bodies that are fixed in their positions that way. And we... have a world of order and he and david brings it to home he says let my soul be like that steadfast in that immovable god who is is immutable is the term his faithfulness is great isn't it in that well david closes the day in worship but then he asks he, he wants to open the day in worship too And I love what it says there back in, I've got to find it now. Verse 8, awake my glory, awake lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. You know, for most of us, it's the dawn that awakens us, right? Sun comes up, and this time of year it comes up pretty early. And uh, for a lot of us, uh, once that sun comes up, I'm, I'm stirring, I need to get up. And yet David says, I'm going to wake up the dawn. Oh, I love that. It's just like, I'm going to go wake up the dawn. I'm going to start it. I'm going to get ahead of that. That was his attitude. And oh, how God is a God who wants that kind of worship and that kind of life. We sang this earlier in its form in Lamentations 3. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord, right? Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that was the song we sang. Great is your faithfulness. And his faithfulness is always perfect. Thankful for that. Sing in the day, right? Start it that way. It reminds us also that the Lord who is, um, David says he wanted a steadfast spirit within him. The Lord himself is the only one that is truly like that. He's steadfast, isn't he? I love the prophecy in Isaiah 50 that is a messianic prophecy. It refers to Christ. And in in Isaiah 50 verse 7 it says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced, Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. The picture is of someone who has a face that is, we've heard the stone-faced. He's on mission. And nothing's going to stop what he's going to do. The hardest of stones, one of the hardest of stones is a flint. And he says, my face is set like that. That prophecy would be fulfilled in Jesus some 700 years later when he would be on this earth and You know, he was always on mission, always headed to the cross. And he was going to do that despite the beckoning of those to stop him, right? He continued to do that. Why? Because he was on mission. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we have to resolve, my friends, to be a witness like the Lord, our face like a flint in that. I mentioned earlier that David, first of all, asks for, uh, like in verse 3 of Psalm 57, he says, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. And you have that sent forth from God, from heaven. But then in verse 10, you see, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. That's the upward part of it. Isn't it great that God sends forth his mercy and his truth and he gives it to us and we redirect it to him right back that's what worship is all about it's ascribing worth to him it's ascribing glory to him which is do his name we're to do that and that's how david ends this psalm verses 5 and 11 go with that each day is a day of exalting the lord every single day can be a day of prayer it can be a day of praise and it can be a day of exaltation he says in verse 5, it's the refrain of this psalm, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. And then verse 11, he says the same thing. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. And that's the, really the supernatural aspect of our worship is that we glorify God who is already above the heavens and above the earth. But it's reminding us in everything that we do, whether it's a little thing or a great thing or whether it's hiding in a cave or it's standing on top of a mountaintop, right? We're doing it to the glory of God. And we need to do that. Paul said it this way, therefore, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful. Grateful for your steadfastness, your immutable nature your grace and truth and your mercy which extends to us and lord we have opportunity to extend it right back to you help us to live such lives that lord we will awaken the dawn who will close off the night in praise and lord in between we'll trust you increase our faith as we walk with you O oh lord give us a steadfast heart In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Amen. Thank you, folks.